Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with a story. Um, Go ahead and put that first picture up there, Tom. This was, I'm I'm doing a little slideshow. A couple years ago, we were at our son's and his wife's house, Chad and Kay, in Nevada. And we had been on that lake that you see in the distance on Chad's ski boat, skiing and playing and having a picnic and playing. This is before the grandbabies were born, so it's several years ago. And we were on the lake, and Chad said, Hey, I've got a good idea. How about if we get in the Jeep and drive over the mountain? We could, there's, a back, there's a trail. There's a two-track trail. It's really fun. So Kent and I said, Is it safe? <laughs> oh, yeah, Mom, it's safe. So we said, Okay, we'll go for it. So this picture is taken from the, the window of the car, and we're literally on this little two-track thing, and it's, it's, there's no guardrails or anything, and, and it's real rocky, and we're just driving up this little road up the mountain. It's beautiful. We're seeing the lake. It's just, it's just really pretty. So go to the next picture. This is my daughter-in-law, Kay, <laughs> just saying, oh, look how beautiful. This is God's creation. We're just enjoying this desert mountain area and then as we were driving you know how mountains kind of do switchbacks back and forth it wasn't a super high mountain but it was it was decent decent height and we went around this curve went around this area and go to the next picture and we saw a huge herd of sheep with a sheep herder in fact when we first saw them they were quite a ways in the distance and all we saw was dust and we didn't know what it was We saw this huge cloud of dust, but it was a calm day. We didn't know what it was, and we were in the vehicle. We drove a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and we realized it was a huge flock, herd, whatever, of sheep with a sheep herder. I've never seen this. I mean, I've seen farms with fences and lots and lots of sheep, but I've never seen in the wild a sheep herder. And this one man, this one sheep herder, had this flock of sheep. In fact, I didn't bring the next picture, but there was one man, he had a gun on his back, don't ask me why, probably to protect the sheep, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, and, and, and he, was, he was driving these sheep, and they, I'm telling you, this is out in the middle of nowhere, and it was hot. I thought, where are you going with all these sheep? But it just struck me as amazing. I'm going to start with a scripture John chapter 10, about sheep. John chapter 10. And I'm going to come back to my story after I read this. Verses 2 through 4. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I'm going to read one more verse. This is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Today we're talking about discerning the voice of God. I want to tell you a few facts about shepherds and sheep. I did some, I I just started to look up information about 
sheep herders and about sheep and how this all made, you know, the words in the Bible, what they meant. And this is what I learned. Now, this is the shepherd that works like this shepherd, where the sheep are loose, where they're driving the sheep, where they're herding them, guiding them, and taking care of them. A shepherd literally becomes the living door of his sheepfold. He curls up in the door or the entrance of where the sheep are being held for the night. It might be a cave. It might be an enclosed area. And he uses his body as the door. He puts his body between the sleeping sheep and the ravenous animals or thieves. So he uses his own body, a shepherd does, to protect his sheep. Sometimes several shepherds will pen their sheep together. So these herds will come together. They'll all come together at night in a, in a cave or a sheepfold. The next morning, each shepherd, each sheep knows his shepherd's voice. All of these sheep are together. They're mixed up. And each individual sheep knows his shepherd's voice and responds immediately. Even in a large flock, one individual sheep will run to his shepherd when his own name is called. Now think of that with our, our good shepherd, Jesus. This scripture says G- Jesus is speaking to us. And he says, I am the shepherd. You are my sheep. You know my voice. And follow me. Just like the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And they follow the shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus takes care of us. He takes care of the flock. I want to share what some of those words mean in these two different verses. There's three words I want to talk about. The first one is the word know. This is in verse 4, and I'm going to read just that verse for you. It says, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That word know means to perceive. It's different than to just hear it and and know it intellectually. It means to perceive it, to discern it. We're talking about discerning his voice tonight. It means that we notice his voice. We're going to talk about paying attention and noticing, because God's talking to us all the time, and sometimes we don't even notice. The word know means to pay attention, to behold his voice, to experience it. We are his sheep. We know his voice. Now you might say, well, Cindy, I don't know it. That's why I'm sharing this teaching. You do. You just don't realize it. The next word is the word hear. And this word is in verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The word hear means to attend to, to consider. My sheep consider my voice. My sheep attend to my voice. It means to comprehend, to 
understand or to perceive. It's not just hearing words. It's perceiving them. It's understanding them. It's comprehending them. When somebody talks to me, and I'm, I'm human, Jesus is, is God. When I talk to somebody, sometimes, or when somebody talks to me, I can hear what they say, but I really don't perceive what they say. But God says with his voice, we can perceive it. We hear it, and that hearing means we perceive it, we understand it, we comprehend it. The next word I want to talk about is discern. This isn't one of the words in the scripture, but I wanted to just look it up in the dictionary because knowing and hearing mean to discern. So what does that mean? The word discern, and this is just a dictionary definition, is to perceive by the sight or other senses or by the intellect, to perceive, using everything that God gives you to perceive with, your senses, your intellect, your mind, your spirit, your heart. And we recognize or apprehend because of our discernment. I love that word, apprehend. When I think of apprehending something, I think of taking it, receiving it. Now, there are three possible voices that we may hear. The voice of the Lord, which is what we're talking about today, discerning God's voice. The enemy's voice, or our own voice, which is our our soul, our mind, our thinking. Today, we're going to focus on the voice of God. This is a three-part teaching, so you're probably going to be hearing those other two parts pretty soon. We'll talk about discerning the voice of the enemy and what that looks like or sounds like. We'll talk about what your own voice or your own soul sounds like so that you can kind of distinguish them. But for today, we're going to focus on the voice of God. So the question, the big question, how do we do it? How do we come to know, to hear, discern the voice of the shepherd so very clearly? The Bible says we do. It doesn't say maybe. The Bible says, I'm going to read it again. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And then in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. How many of you have been in a place where you know you need to hear from God, and you're not sure if you're hearing from him or not? Yeah. We've all been there. I've been there too. That's why I want to share these different ways that we hear God. And I, want, I, I believe with all my heart this is just going to unveil, and you're going to say, Oh, yeah, I know I've done that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yes, I've recognized that. And when it all goes together, you see you are hearing God. Mary Lou, could you get me a cup of water from the kitchen, please? Thank you. I'm really dry for some reason. Okay, first and foremost, this is just bottom line. Developing a sensitivity to discern God's voice comes through relationship with him. Knowing God for experience yourself. Now, we talk about developing a relationship with God in here all the time. 
I've got lots of teachings. Tom and Fran have done lots of teachings on knowing the love of God, developing that relationship, the kinds of things that we can, can do to just pursue God, reading his word, praying, worshiping, just spending time with him, being here like in this kind of an atmosphere where you're with fellow believers. But we have to make the first move. Here's good news. God says when we seek him, we'll find him, right? God says when we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. It's not hard. But that relationship is critical to hearing his voice, developing a relationship. I want to look at a scripture. Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians 3. In the midst of this chapter, Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus. And it's his prayer that the people will come to know God, to know his love. When you know his love, you want everybody else to know it. When you know him and have relationship, you want everybody else to because it's so amazing, right? And that's what Paul wanted. But I love this prayer. This is a prayer you can pray for yourself. This is a prayer you can pray for those that you love and you want to know God more. I'm just going to read one of the verses. The prayer, the actual prayer goes from about verse 16 through 19. If you want to take that whole section of scripture and use it as a prayer. But I'm just going to read verse 19. Listen to this. Paul is praying that you may really come to know practically, through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I pray that over you right now. I pray that you are filled to the overflow with God, that you come to know him through experience, that you come to perceive him, that you come to be filled so full with him, you're overflowing like you can't even stand it. It just almost hurts. You know his love so much, but it's a good hurt. It's really good. I pray that over all of you. Fullness, holy filled, holy. That word is W-H-O. L-L-Y, completely filled and flooded with God himself. That is the groundwork for hearing his voice and discerning it. It's in knowing him and having relationship with him. When you look at the mighty men of the Bible, and this isn't just for the mighty men of the Bible, this is for everybody, but think about Moses, the one who talked with God face to face. He heard from God. King David, the one who wrote up so many of the Psalms, he, his heart just poured out in, in worship to God, in awe of him, in every way, awe of creation, awe of his love, awe of his uh, protection and his caring for him. And when he was broken, when David was in a place of being broken and knocked down and burdened, He knew that God was the answer because he had relationship with him. He talked with him. He heard from God. 
Think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John from the New Testament, the men who took God's word, who took the, the, the gospel of Jesus and took it to the world. They had relationship with Jesus. They knew Jesus face to face. Well, Paul didn't because he was on the other side until, Jesus, until he encountered Jesus. Jesus encountered him. They, they slammed into each other, and boy, oh boy, did Paul change. Mm. Knocked him off the horse. His life was never the same. But he knew Jesus. He heard his voice. And then he went out and shared it because he was overflowing. He was wholly filled and overflowing, flooded with the fullness of God. They both were, Paul and John. And they went out and shared everywhere they could. Persecution didn't matter. What other people said didn't matter. They knew that they knew that they knew that they knew the truth. They didn't go by what they saw. They didn't go by their senses. They didn't go by what people said. They went by what they knew about God. They knew his voice. Number two on your paper says, God speaks through Scripture. Well, you say, okay, Cindy, I've heard that before. But he does. This is one of the biggest ways, one of the the most um, common or clear or easy ways to hear from God is through Scripture. I want to talk about two, um, two words, logos and rhema. And this may be a review, but I just want to quickly review it. The Logos, Word of God, is the written Word of God. Every single word in Scripture is Logos Word. As we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, we grow in our understanding of the Word. When you go to Bible studies, you read, you learn, you grow in intellect, and that's, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. The word logos is the same root word as logic. So we can logically learn things about the word, and that's all well and good. But, however, this is a big one, however, study of theology, study of the Bible, does not necessarily transform us from one form into another. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the same person. When I read the Word of God, I don't want to say, okay, I learned this and this and this. I learned this about the history. I learned this about the Gospels. I got it all kind of in my mind. Got it all figured out. Somebody taught it to me. I studied it, took a test, passed it. That's not what I want. I want more than that. In uh, Romans 12, 2, it talks about renewing your mind. It talks about being transformed. It says, don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that comes through rhema. Rhema is God's revealed word. Not just the written word, but the word that's revealed. It's like a light shines on it. And it becomes real to you. It's not just words on a page. It's revealed not just to your mind, but to your heart. And this is cool. I love this one. A rhema word doesn't even have to be understood, only believed. There's no way you can understand intellectually the mighty, amazing truths of the Word of God. There's no way I can understand in my little brain 
how Jesus took stripes on his back and I got healed of cancer. My choice is to believe it. When that word is revealed to my heart and the truth of his word becomes more real to me than anything else, then it's mine. It's a treasure. You don't have to understand it. You just believe it. Making a choice and saying, God, I believe it. Rhema can be deposited directly into our hearts as we read the Bible. I love it when he does that. He's done that for me a lot. But this week I was reading in John, cha- John chapter 15. And he was just blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. It, I mean, it was like there were three or four verses in that scripture where I was dealing with something and God was just tenderly just taking care of it. He was just loving on me through the scripture. It was coming off the page and it was it was. He was, he was like loving me. It was like my daughter calls me with burdens on her heart and I, I just talk it through with her and I love on her and she's dealing with some stuff right now that's really worrying her. And I talked with her for a while last night and she says, Oh, Mom, thanks for talking to me. I feel so much better. That's what happens when I read the book of John, chapter 15, and he was speaking to me and he was doing the same thing for me that I did for Megan. He was just loving on me and saying, It's okay, baby girl. With his word. That's Rhema. God's word can also become Rhema when we meditate on it. When we take that word, we've talked about this a lot in here, and I'm not teaching on meditation today, but I just want to review it. When we take a scripture or a word from God and we chew on it, we, we, we let it go in, then we bring it back up and chew on it again, speak it out loud again, talk to God about it, journal about it, ask him questions, swallow it again. Then we bring it back up and we keep doing that and doing it and doing it. Word can grow into a rhema word as we meditate on it. And we're renewing our mind. We're being transformed. So God speaks to us through Scripture. Will you turn with me now to 2 Peter chapter 1? I want to show you in the Bible. I want to defend what I just said with Scripture. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 16. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Peter's talking, and this is what he says. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw... His majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were there with him on the holy mountain. So Peter, I'm going to go on in a minute, but Peter says, Okay, I was there. I'm not just telling you some, some story. I was there. Peter said, I was there when this thing happened and the glory of, was all over Jesus. And we heard the voice of God from heaven. This is at the, the transfiguration. He's talking about when Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. And there was a transfiguration when Jesus changed his appearance and shone. He just glowed. And then there was Abraham and Moses and I think Elijah. All three were there. And and they were just awed, needless to say. 
Peter's talking about that event in his life, but look at what he says then. Verse 19. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. That's rhema word. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So this scripture goes on to say that the the word of God, the prophetic word of God, wasn't inspired by man. It was inspired by God. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It says, um, as this, this word, this prophetic word goes forth, it's like a lamp shining in a dark place. It's, it's the, day, the, the, day the, dawn, the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. It's talking about the word of God. God speaks to us through his word. Hebrews 4, verse 12, I want to look at one more scripture about the power of the word of God and how he speaks to us. I don't want you to take it lightly. You know, sometimes you say, okay, I've got to do my Bible reading for the day. Think of it like this. Okay, I want, to, I want to hear God speak to me today. Change your perspective of the time that you spend reading God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, which is the very deepest part of our being, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Ooh. It's talking about the Word of God being alive. It's not just words on a page. His rhema word is alive. It's alive to us. And I put something in parentheses there. That's actually from the Amplified. I wanted to just put that little definition in there because it says the dividing of joints and marrow. That refers to like the deepest parts of our inner being. It talks about this, this sword piercing the division of soul and spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. Sometimes our soul needs to wake up and agree with our spirit more. But I love the word. I wanted this, this translation because it uses the word discerner. God's word helps us to discern the junk in the world. In the Amplified, it uses the word um, analyzing and sifting and like sorting out. And what I, what I visualize as I, see, as I visualize and meditate on this scripture is that God's word does that for us. It helps us to sift out all the junk that we're in Sift it out and see, see the, the, the core truth that God wants us to see. God's word does that for us. Like if you have, if, if, I don't know how, how gold pan things work, but they take, I'm just going to tell you how I think they work. <laughs> they take this sifter thing. I'm probably wrong, but this is, this is good. Anyway, they take this sifter thing and they put it in the river and they take out the this bottom of the river bed and they shake it shake it shake it and all this junk spills out spills out spills out until they see the gold 
the treasure. All of this residue, all of the junk, the dirt, the the stuff. That's what happens with God's Word. He speaks to us through His Word. We have a choice. We can read His Word and say, God, I need you right now. I'm going to go to your Word and let you take care of me. I'm going to go to your Word and help, help me sift it out. The clutter, the residue, the, the, um, the cloudiness, the confusion, whatever it is. Show me your love. Show me your truth. Show me your way. And that's what his word does. His word speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. So that's one of the ways God speaks to us. I'm going to give you an example from my life. Um, in the midst of my battle with cancer, right in the middle, it was six months long, and I was diagnosed, and then I had ups and downs, ups and downs. And in the middle of that time, the doctor ordered another set of scans because there was confusion and there was inconclusive reports and there was bad reports, all sorts of stuff. The doctor wanted a new set of scans. And when I went in for that set of scans, the PET scan confirmed cancer through my whole body. And when I got that report, the first thing that happened was fear tried to attack me, but the Holy Spirit rose up in me and gave me the right questions to ask. And when I sat with a technician, God gave me wisdom to speak and to ask questions. And when I walked out of that office, I knew that the degree of cancer was less than it had been on the first scan. Then I went home and God gave me this word. I'm just going to put it up there. This was a rhema word for me. This was God speaking to me through the Bible. I had never read this scripture before. I wanted to go, because I still have the piece of paper I typed it on and had it on my refrigerator for years. But this is what it said. Cindy, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then verse 12. Now, Cindy, I want you to know this, that what has happened to you has actually served to advance the gospel. He gave me that word 13 years ago, and I was still in the middle of a battle, and I still, according to the doctors, had cancer in my body. God gave me that word, that rhema word. God, when God gives you a word, and you choose to meditate on it, I taught on this a couple weeks ago on Sunday, it, you conceive it in your heart. It's like becoming pregnant with that word. And when you become pregnant with that word and meditate on it and receive it, that's my word. I use it all the time. I don't have to have it up there. People know me. know I use that scripture all the time because it's mine. I declare that word. I believe that word with all my heart. And when we conceive it and it grows in us to such a degree, we birth it. We give birth to it. You're going to see it in your life. That's what I'm living right now. That's God's word for me. And it's not just for me. That's the good news. It's for you too. It's for you too. The next way that I want to speak about that God speaks to us is through an inner witness. Now this is where it gets a little bit like, what do you mean, Cindy? So I'm going to do my best to try to explain this. God's revealed word can be spoken directly into your heart by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be through the Bible. God can speak to you directly through an inner witness or an inner voice. 
We're going to look at a scripture that talks about this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. And again, I'm reading from the New Living. But go ahead and open your Bible because you might want to make some, some um, notes in your Bible or some underlines. I'm going to open mine too in case I want to go back and forth between translations. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Mm, this is good. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Now I want to tell you what these things refers to. In the scripture, if you go back to verse 7, it talks about the wisdom of God. And it says that the wisdom of God was once hidden from human understanding. So Paul is saying that it was to us that God revealed these things. God revealed these things that were once hidden from human understanding. He revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. In some translations, they're called the mysteries. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Here's the good news. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know, and I underline that word, we can know, we can discern the wonderful things God has freely given us. Now, before I go on, I want to just talk about this for a sec. The only, what this scripture is saying, the only one that can know my thoughts is me, unless I choose to tell you. Because it's, it's, it's my spirit. It's in me. And it says the same thing for God. Nobody can know God's, thought except, God's thoughts except God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit resides in us. I was going to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. <laughs> that will be coming later. We have access to the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. And this scripture is saying when we have that precious Holy Spirit in us, we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. We can discern those things. Verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand or discern what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate or discern all things but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's good news. We have the mind of Christ. We can discern God's voice when he speaks to us through that inner, that inner nudge, that inner witness. There are three ways, and there's probably more than this, but this is when I teach people. This, this often helps. There are three ways that we can hear the still, small voice. We can hear it, and that sounds like your own thought, but it's God's thought for you. You can hear it, 
You can see it. You might see a picture that God is showing you. You might see something that happened to you in the past. You might see something that God has for you in the future. You, he might just give you this picture, this snapshot. I've asked him that question. God, will you just give me a snapshot? Just give me a preview. <laughs> and he did. And he did. So it might be a, a visual thing that you see in your mind's eye. Or it might be something that you sense. When you sense God's voice, you might sense his love for you. You just get like filled up on the inside like you're going to explode as he loves on you. You might sense his approval of you. And if you're sensing that, don't say, oh, I'm not going to, that's just me. No, accept it. Accept it. Say, God, thank you. You might sense his encouragement. You might sense his, uh, his, his joy. I love it when I do that one, when I sense that one. Literally, I see him just smiling all over the place or even laughing. So you might see him, hear him, or sense him. In that, and that's a still, small voice. The problem is a lot of us don't trust that that's God. We think it's us. I've learned to trust. An example of this would be just exactly what happened to me the day before, yesterday. When I woke up in the morning and I felt a nudge that God said, no, don't teach that, teach this. And I just trust him. I just trust him and I know for whatever reason the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear this today. The songs that I picked, I felt very strongly led to use those songs. You've probably noticed when Tom teaches, when Fran teaches, there's a song that is so richly connected to the word that it just draws out something even deeper in your heart to connect to the word and to God. Number four, God speaks, clarifies, encourages, confirms his voice through people. I'm going to give you lots of examples. One example is a message from a godly man or woman. It doesn't really really have to be a godly man or woman. Sometimes it can come from some, some person, but it's a confirmation that you needed to hear. God confirms or encourages you through another person. In that very area that you we're seeking him about. It might be through a message. It might be through another encounter of some kind with a person. God speaks through songs. Does to me anyway. In the middle of whatever I'm going through, there will be a song on the radio or a song on my CD player or a song on iTunes or whatever, and it's like it just undoes me because that's exactly what I needed for that moment. God speaks through words of knowledge. Words of knowledge, the definition for you. And this will probably make sense because you've experienced this a lot in here. A supernatural revelation of specific facts concerning past or present situations. A word of knowledge. And they're there to just bless you. God's speaking to you and he's saying, okay, okay, daughter, okay, son, this is for you. I'm loving on you. This is for you. This is my promise for you. This is my word for you. Receive it. It's for the profit of all. And the next one is... um, Oh, I wanted to read a scripture to, to show you this, where Jesus was using a word of knowledge. 
This is John chapter 4. This is Jesus at the well with the woman, with the um, Samaritan woman. I'm not going to go into all the background. I'm just going to read this part. Of course, before this section starts, he had just offered her the water of everlasting life, which she would never be thirsty again. And then Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Here comes the word of knowledge. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And later on in Scripture, you see how those people were believers and they took truth back to their city. So because of that word of knowledge, she believed that Jesus was the Christ and she went and told people and they came. So she was drawing others because of that word of knowledge that Jesus spoke about what was going on in her life. He didn't have any way of knowing that. It was a revelation from the Holy Spirit, from God to him. It was one of those precious um, rhema words. God was speaking. Another example is a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation of a part of God's plan and purpose for the future. Word of wisdom. I had the same word given to me twice this week. And it was the word explosion. I said, get ready. Two different people, two different contexts, two different places. They both use the same word. Get ready for an explosion. There's an explosion coming in your, in your ministry, in your life. God speaks through words of wisdom to clarify, to confirm, to encourage. And then when he does that, you, you've got us. You keep it in your sight. That's for me, God. I receive it. And the next one here is words of prophecy. A word of prophecy is a supernatural utterance with the purpose to exhort, to draw near, to edify, to build up, or comfort. Exhort, edify, or comfort. God gives those words a lot in here. So those are some ways that God speaks through people. I'm not, please don't put this in a box. Don't say, okay, check, 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 check. That's it. That's the only way God speaks. No, this is just a sampling. God speaks all the time. Number five, God speaks through the supernatural. And I guess all these are supernatural because he's pretty super on our natural. But I don't know why I called it supernatural. But these are some more ways that God speaks. Through dreams. Here's a biblical example. Matthew chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So Joseph was given a dream and direction. And, and that, that's what Joseph needed. He was totally confused and concerned and, and didn't know what to do. And God helped him. He showed him what to do. He showed him it was okay. He showed him, yes, it is from God through that dream. God speaks through dreams. I've had different men, actually many times when he spoke to me through dreams, but a couple examples. I've had several teachings that he has shown me in dreams. One of them is the, 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 dream, or the teaching that I teach on the default. I love that one. It's such a cool teaching, and it's all from him. I dreamed it. And then when I woke up, I was like, okay, I'm not quite sure what that is, but I, I'll... I'll I'll study it out, God. And, I, and it just birthed into this whole amazing teaching about the default of the world and reprogramming our operating system in God's way instead of the world's way. Last week I taught, um, or a couple weeks ago on, on Sunday, I taught a message called cons- um, The Condition of Your Heart. I had a dream about that one too. I had a, a, a nudge, a still small voice to teach that message. And then God confirmed it twice that that was the message for me to teach. Once through a person, Pastor Ross in Big Rapids taught something about a hardened heart. And I was like, hmm, that's the same thing that God's been stirring in me. And then I dreamed that I was teaching about consider and consider not. Consider and consider not. And I said, okay, God, that's what I'll teach. So he nudges. So I had him speak to me three times in three different ways. First, through that nudge, that still small voice. Second, through a person. Third, through a dream. The next way that I have here is visions. God speaks through visions. And there's an account here about um, Ananias. Ananias was the man who uh, the Lord gave a vision to after Saul had been knocked off of his horse and he was blinded. And it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen, he has seen a vision, He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose 
and was baptized. So there was a vision. Ananias knew Saul's reputation. He didn't want anything to do with that guy. (laughs) He was bad. Saul was bad. He was there to, to take Christians and to persecute them and even kill them. And yet, God gave him a vision. And because of that vision, he said, okay, God, I'll do it. And then the whole uh, new church was radically changed because of, a, because of Paul. Okay. An example of this, and I'll just give a short version of this because it's a long story. But uh, about a year ago, there was a, a man that was here who was here um, for his son-in-law who was fighting glioblastoma, which is the same thing that Lisa Starr was healed of. So Lisa and this man were very closely connected. She had been ministering to him. Well, in the middle of the service, I had some words of knowledge, and one of them was for pregnancy. Lisa, the woman who was healed of glioblastoma, stood up and said, I want to receive prayer for my sister who's been trying to get pregnant for a long time. In the midst of all this, Tony, the man, saw a vision. He saw an angel come right from behind this old two-by-four cross. He saw an angel come from behind this cross carrying a bundle, a blue, wrapped in blue, baby, wrapped in blue, and walked right down this aisle, right down this aisle. He saw a vision. This man was awed. I would be, I would be too. He was awed. And he just couldn't even contemplate anything else that was said or done during the whole service. He was just awed from this vision that he saw and after we were done he went and taught told lisa about it and he said and lisa had said i'm believing this for holly and he said i don't know who this holly is but i know this vision was for you for this holly and then to make a long story short a whole bunch of things happened with holly and she has since become pregnant went through a pregnancy with lots of stuff thrown at her from the devil she overcame all of them because she had a vision to hold on to that God had a baby for her and she birthed baby Max Miracle Max last Christmas yes amen 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 but the vision was that place that just connected Lisa and Holly with God's promise and they held on and they were not going to give any room for the enemy or any lies The third thing I have here is signs. I don't want you to think that God has to give you signs. He doesn't. His truth is more than enough. But sometimes he does. Uh, The example that many of you have heard is my eagle story, where um, God gave me a sign of an eagle. I was declaring God's word. This was uh, in the middle of my fight against cancer, and um, I was meditating on God's scripture, Psalm 103. And in the fifth verse it says, um, he'll satisfy my mouth with good things and restore my youth like the eagles or something like that. Yeah, renew my youth like the eagles. And I took that word and I started to talk to God about it. And I said, Father God, I know you're taking good care of me. I know that you're, you love me, that you're taking good care of me. But I said, I can't see what's going on inside my body and I could really use some confirmation. Now, I can't believe I said this. I didn't know better. But I said, God, if my body is renewed like the eagle, show me an eagle. I remember specifically praying this prayer. 
And it was a weekend. And over the weekend, I had five eagle sightings. Not one. Five eagle sightings. One of them was a real eagle. The others were all kinds of other things that happened with eagles. But the, the one was a real eagle. We were at the cottage, and we had never, ever seen an eagle there, ever. And I asked my dad, because my dad and mom live up there, and my dad knows every animal and bird and fowl and every critter under the sun. He's an outdoors guy. And I said, Dad, have you seen an eagle around here lately? And he said, he looked at me like I was nuts. And he says, I've never seen an eagle around here. So I just let it go. I didn't say anything else. It wasn't five minutes later, and my two boys who were out skiing came in the house, said, Mom, you can't believe what we just saw. We were skiing. An eagle flew over the boat, landed, not landed, dove in the water, caught a fish, and landed right by our cottage and ate the fish. Needless to say, I was undone. God gave me that sign that I asked for. And that eagle's still there. I still have an eagle. Kathy saw him probably, well, not all the minister team saw him that weekend we were there. But Kathy saw him a couple weeks ago when she was there. Yeah, he's my eagle now. In fact, I saw two of them the other day flying together a couple days ago. So anyway, um, he does show us signs. The last point, use peace as an umpire regarding God's direction for your life. We're talking about hearing God's voice and discerning it. Peace is equal to God, God's voice. Lack of peace, not God. I have a really sensitive heart to the lack of peace. (laughs) I know that feeling. Peace is a little harder for me to discern. I love peace, but it's not quite as radical as lack of peace. So I often recommend if you feel a lack of peace, if you feel yucky stuff in your gut, listen to it. God's speaking to you. Let's look at Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace, the soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state, to which, as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. I love it. God says, let peace act as an umpire, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. Let peace help you with those decisions. Follow peace. The example I want to share is, again, in the middle of my battle with with uh, the, the cancer that I was fighting, I had to make a decision. And my decision, I had three options. I went to Jenny. I said, how do I know which decision to make? I want to show God that I believe him. I don't want to make a decision that shows God I don't believe him. I want to show him I'm in faith. And she stopped me right there and she said, stop it. <laughs> He's going to meet you right where you're at. It doesn't matter whether you choose option one, option two, or option three. He loves you. He can work through any one of those options. And then she gave me some really good advice. She said, go home, pray. Pray in tongues. If if you guys have tongues, pray in tongues. And seek peace. So that's what I did. I went home. It was a weekend. And I spent a lot of time in prayer that weekend. And I would put one of those things at a time before God. I would say, okay, God, here's the first option. (laughs) And then I would pray in tongues. 
And I would just praise and pray and praise and pray and praise and pray. And then I would say, okay, here's the second option. (laughs) And I would kind of think about it, talk about it to God, pray in tongues, listen, seek that peace. And then I would do the same thing with the third option. And I believed I had peace with the third option, which was exploratory surgery. Then God confirmed it for me because he's really good at that. The next day, Charles Capps was at Life Christian Church. Charles Capps, the man who put together the healing scriptures in that blue book. Charles Capps, an amazing man of faith, a general of faith, an old-timer. And he spoke on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And after that, after his, his messages, Kent and I both had complete peace with option three. Follow peace. Follow peace. Okay, on your sheet, it says declaration. In order to hear from God, we must first believe that we can hear from him. We must, let me say that again, we must believe that we can hear from him. As you confess or agree with God that you are his sheep and you know his voice, you will develop a faith and an expectancy to hear from him. You'll become more sensitive to him. You won't question and say, was that me or was that you, God? And if you question it and say, will you show me clearly? Will you confirm it? Will you show me again? And he will. He does all the time. So here's a declaration. Let's read it out loud together. God has given me the capacity to hear him and obey him. I expect to hear from God. I am one of God's sheep, and his sheep know his voice. I am led by his Holy Spirit. He will guide me all the days of my life. He will teach me and give me the answers I need. Today I will hear his voice. And harden not my heart. So claim it. Proclaim it. Believe it. You do hear from God. You just don't realize it. And now I want to do an activation. And um, Kent, I'm just going to just close this down with prayer right now. So you can go back, turn some music on, and we're just going to do an activation right now. So we'll close the video. So I just thank you, Father, for the blessing over this word. That it is settled deep in our hearts. It is ours. It is your promise for us that we are your sheep, that we know your voice, and that we follow you. We don't have to follow everybody else because you've given us Jesus. You've given us your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit. We know your voice. We discern your voice. And we thank you for loving us so much that you, you, you do give us everything we need. Thank you, Lord. With all of our heart, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.